a chance for Mule and Burroughs. They score! And the Mules score! Scores! Three in a row for the Mules! Duke has to put it up at the buzzer! It's good! And the Mules win it! Coming to you from Allentown, Pennsylvania, welcome to the Mule and Mules podcast. Each episode, we'll talk to the coaches, staff, athletes, and alumni who make up the Muhlenberg Athletics family and are proud to call themselves Mules. And welcome back to the Muhlenberg Mules podcast, where we celebrate Black History Month all through the month of February, joining the Muhlenberg Office of Multicultural Life in celebrating the rich history and contributions of black people to the world, the United States of America, and to Muhlenberg College. Our guest today is head wrestling coach Jason McLean. A member of Muhlenberg's class of 2001, he became the Mules' first ever wrestling All-American when he finished 8th at 141 pounds as a senior. Jason returned to his alma mater in 2017 as head wrestling coach and has led the Mules to great heights, including an undefeated Centennial Conference dual meet season last year that earned him Coach of the Year honors. Welcome, Jason, to the Muhlenberg Mules podcast. Thank you. Excited to be on. It's hard to believe it, but it's been uh, almost exactly one year since Muhlenberg hosted the Centennial Conference Wrestling Championships. Um, that was February 15th of, of last year, and the Mules crowned three champions that day. And then two weeks later at the regionals qualified three wrestlers for nationals. And, and then you were with those guys in Iowa one day away from the start of competition, and, and everything shut down. With almost a year to reflect on that, can you describe what that was like, you know, going out to nationals and, and being so close to be able to to compete and then having it all, all come to an end? The overall experience was phenomenal. I got a chance to see those guys light up and really kind of bear the fruit of all their hard work, even though we got cut short. The, our workouts before the competition were super encouraging. I was quite confident that Jim Fratt and Tony was going to be the dark horse of the tournament and really shake things up. Austin Sherman, there's no such thing as a roof with that kid. He surprised the heck out of you all the time. And Luca is just super talented. And, you know, although he was the underclassman, he was positioned out of all of them to probably to do the best. The overall experience, we've made it known. We tried to make the best out of it. We stayed for a day or so. You know, we went and visited the University of Iowa. I got to meet one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, Mark Ironside which was phenomenal. He happened to be walking out of the building as we were walking in. We met some people from Jersey that were actually uh, the row team coaches and talked about them. Um, so looking at the glass half full, does all that stuff happen? If we didn't, you know, um, do I get to meet a guy who's like literally a hero at VHS? Probably one of the first wrestlers I ever was ever exposed to. So that's looking at the glass half full. Um, looking at, at the other way, it stunk. <laughs> um, it, it stunk to see the disappointment on those guys. I, I try my best to not pop a bear of them, but let them bear the fruit of, of their hard work. And I, and I thought they were, they were disciplined. All those guys, you know, their diet, their workouts, they just, they were just on point with everything. And it was great time. And this is probably the first time Jimmy Fratt and Tony was healthy in eight years of his life. You know, he was hurt in high school got hurt before the state tournament, tore his ACL or his shoulder, got hurt at Muhlenberg, almost took a year and a half to recover. So all of a sudden he's healthy for the first time in his life. He's not cutting a bunch of weight. We had finally figured some things out mentally, but you know, hopefully those things push those guys that, that were seniors through life. And uh, he's doing super well now. He's, he's doing great at his job. Ho hopefully, you know, they got some positive out of it. 
Um, we had some great interaction as far as, you know, one night we just went out to eat and I let them go a little bit crazy. Brian Jameson actually flew out too. So just to see those guys together, even though they didn't get a chance to compete, kind of have a last hurrah together on the road was pretty neat to see. Hanging out with them in a hotel room, just just a little silly team bonding stuff, you know, sitting down and having breakfast and talking. There was actually a gentleman who I've been in contact with since who um, was there to watch TCNJ, but was a Lehigh alumni and was so pumped to see us out there and has been in contact with me ever since asking me what he can do for our program. So looking at the glass half full again, you know, there's a lot of positive that came out of it. Um, so I'm disappointed that my boys didn't get a chance to compete and that we didn't get a chance to bring any true hardware home necessarily. Before that, I was a little disappointed because, you know, Dylan lost a close match. Greg Baum was injured and Josh Hickey was injured and Scott Schaefer was injured. And I thought Scott and Dylan both had a chance of getting out there too. So I thought we could have got five out there. So I was already trying to find some positive and which was a good thing. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, the glass half full and, and trying to trying to make the best of a bad situation. I guess that's uh, that's kind of where we all, we've all been. Mm -hmm. Since last March, when, when everything got shut down, you know, some good news potentially with the uh, announcement that came out earlier this week that Uhlenberg has decided to take the steps to try to get teams back practicing with, with the possibility of, of competing later this year, more geared towards the spring sports, but, you know, perhaps a little a possibility for, for some of your guys and particularly your seniors, you know, maybe to have, you know, one or two last chances of competition, maybe towards the end of the academic year. I think this is a great thing. I think the fact that our president decided to kind of step up and step out, if you want, want to call it that, look out for the, the well-being, because I think they, they need it for them to lose another sport. I mean, look, you know, I, my office is next to, to uh, the baseball coaches, Tigro, so I, I'm a little bit biased. Um, I, get to, I get to talk to him on a regular basis, normally outside of COVID. I, don't, I haven't seen him in two months probably now, besides Zoom calls. But he was on a roll, you know, and we were talking about you know, how pumped we were to, to see him doing well. I mean, he works his tail off um, and his guys work hard. Everybody, just a disappointment. Um, and I knew what it felt like. So you don't want your coworkers or, or your student athletes to, to go through that. So I, I know what a disappointment was at. And to go through that two years in a row, I mean, we just lost, you know, we, same thing with us. It stinks. You know, you don't want, you don't want that on people. So I'm happy that they're going to get a chance to, to get after it. And, you know, there hasn't, uh, obviously you haven't been doing much wrestling coaching since last March, you know, when everything got shut down, but, you know, a lot has happened outside of that in the last year. And last June at the height of the Black Lives Matter protests, you stepped up in, in the department when you sent an email a letter to the rest of the coaching staff about your family history with systemic racism. Talk a little bit about that letter, what was in it and, and what prompted you to send it. So the, you know, the crazy thing is I haven't read the letter since, you know, my, my mom and I talked about it. My mom was instrumental in my life uh, as far as making us aware of our history, sometimes a little too much for our comfort level as children. You know, she was from, she's from the South. She's from right outside of Tuskegee area, Alabama, which is the center of the civil rights movement. You know, you had the little girls that died in the church bombing and all that kind of stuff. So she's very cognizant of that because she was there. She saw German shepherds biting people with water hoses on people. And sometimes as a kid, to hear your mother talk about that was slightly frustrating and you got angry. So you, you want to defend your mother. But as I got older, I realized it was almost 
part of her being, like it was part of her because she went through that as a child. And then her telling me stories about my grandfather and being one of the first electricians in this state, being the first black electrician in the state of Alabama and not being able to find a job, you know, having to join the military and then moving out to the East Coast where he kind of had opportunity, but then he started his own company. And even then he just worked with people from his church and people from the black community um, because other people didn't, didn't give him opportunities. So to me, uh, we can swing this around and maybe I'm showing my age a little bit here, but I, I try to preach to guys not to take education for granted, especially students of color, because you had people that actually had education and weren't able to use it, but they still went, they still went ahead and, and, and did it. So that, that was super important. And as far as why I wrote the letter, when everything was going on, you know, a lot of people and people at our institution and possibly people in our department weren't cognizant of what was going on around them. You know, I was like, well, I didn't notice this. And, and that's fine. You don't, sometimes you don't, when you're driving to work, you don't even notice half the stuff around you because you're just going to work. So as their counterpart and people that I'm friendly with and people that I've grown to care about um, and people that I have a working relationship with, I mentioned Todd and Jamie, the, all the trainers, Steve Nemes is, I mean, he just retired, but that guy is like, it's been literally involved in a quarter of my life at this point in time. He's had heart to heart talks with me when I was a student um, that kind of resonated throughout my life. So at that point in time, I kind of needed to probably step up and maybe do that for them and say, you have a person here in front of you that's experienced or has had family that's experienced all this stuff. You don't need to turn on the TV. If you got a question, come to my office, send me a text, you know, and I've been through stuff personally as a, as a teenager that changed my life and changed my outlook. And I could have been an angry, uh, not disillusioned, but some things woke me up. And a lot of people, you know, they'll joke online about being woke or whatever else. You become woke when you've gone through something that's pretty, it's a rough experience. And I've been through numerous things, but I had a mother that prepared me for it. And she had, she had four black sons and she adopted my cousins because my aunt passed away. So she had seven boys in her house that she was always very concerned about. We lived in a town, we moved from the city to a, a town that was a, a majority white, you know, town. And my cousins went to a, a Catholic school that was majority Caucasian as well. And she was worried and she was concerned. Every day she told, later on in my life, she said every day she, we rode our bikes or walked to practice. She was super concerned. So that goes back to sports and where I'm at now. And all I wanted to do was make them proud because I started to realize as I got older to sacrifice that they put up for me. So, you know, that was a lot of it. I mean, and there's so much more depth to, to it, but that, that was a lot of it. And it was me doing my part. I mean, I'm not a big social media person as it is, but you're never gonna see me blasting stuff about, you know, different issues or whatever else. So I think at some point in time, or my older brother said, you're either part of the problem or part of the solution. Just wanted to be a little bit part of the solution at that point in time. And like I said, these were people, including you, that I've gotten to know, I mean, I've known you forever at this point in time, that I have respect for, that have shown respect to me. People that have been like mentors, like Steve Nemes, I mean, like Duke, like if I only imagine if he was here, you know, the things that he would have done and said, he was a father figure to so many people at Muhlenberg. So that was just me to try to do a little bit of my part. Yeah, what, what was some of the response that you got um, uh, after you sent out that letter? Very, very good. I have a pretty good relationship with the uh, basketball coach who's twice my size and height and <laughs> we're completely the opposite. I'm always trying to get him the heck out of the gym 
he actually sneaks in the wrestling practice sometimes, so it's pretty funny. Him and I sat down as talk. I'm a few years older than him, and uh, his response was awesome. Like, we sat down, we talked about books, we talked about some of my experiences. He talked about some of his experiences. Being a basketball player, you're around predominantly Black athletes a lot of times. He was overseas at the time. He was the, the minority there. So we had to talk about like that, that kind of stuff. Most of them were positive. Hey, Jason, can we sit down and talk? You know, there, there was, it was funny because I think there was a, a moment of realization with some people, you know, and it's okay to be in a bubble and living your, to protect your children and, and being your own little world. But every once in a while, I think you need to poke your head out and just look outside just a little bit and see what's really going on because there's a chance that your children are going to experience what's really going on. You know, we might have the benefit of being in that bubble, but with the way the world is going at this point in time, I don't know if our children will be as protected as this generation has. Um, so I, I think you have to be cognizant for our future more than anything else. And, you know, we're in Allentown, you know, we are on the other side, kind of in the suburban, but if you go right down the street, you know, things start to change a little bit. But there's also not in a bad way because there's some beautiful things down there as well. Art museum and all that other cool stuff, the arenas. And, but there's a lot of culture down there as well. So it's not far and it doesn't take much effort. Sometimes all you got to do is walk off your porch and you can find it. So and I think that's important. And I think that goes both ways. It goes always. So I think overall, the reaction that I got from my coworkers and people was, was awesome. And I, and I was very appreciative of it because part of me was going to kind of cower away because I was a, bit, a little bit concerned. You know, one thing I don't want out of it is I don't ever want to be the spotlight or be uh, a source of compassion, you know, pat me on the back. I don't need that. <laughs> I'm, I'm way past that in my life. You know, I'm still going to be me regardless, but you know, maybe it'll make a difference in somebody, a, a child's life or, or, you know, some, somebody else's life. Yeah, and you know, it, it was around that time also that people all over the athletics community were using their platform to take take an active role in this. Um, so the WNBA was was really a leader in that. I remember watching the, the the baseball game between the the Mets and the Marlins, where they they took the field and then and then before the first pitch was thrown, they had a moment of silence and then they mm -hmm. they all left the the field and left a uh, a Black Lives Matter T-shirt on on home plate. So I I think. You know, being in the athletics world, you have a very powerful, you know, platform from from which to educate people. Exactly. I think that's huge, you know, and if we don't take advantage of our places, even out of place, you know, it's a little small school like Muhlenberg, where we send people out literally the whole world. Like my, my older brother lives in Africa right now, and he's been in the airport coming, came from California numerous times, and he's wearing Muhlenberg wrestling stuff and people, somebody will stop and say something to him. Um, so we can have an impact a lot bigger than Chew Street. You know, even where I came from as far as coaching and, you know, bringing a couple of our athletes over with me, they're going to have an impact back in their community now. So I, I, I think athletics is such a huge tool because it spreads across so many boards and so many, you know, races and, and ethnicities and uh, same thing. You know, it's just so much. And we, we got to take advantage of it, you know. We have to, um, whether it's, it doesn't have to be as big as the NBA, you know, it could be a youth league where you make the kids respect each other, and shake hands and all that good stuff, you know, that we were taught as young athletes, you know, respect your opponent, regardless of what they look like, you know, or who their mom and dad are, 
what their social standings are, or how much money they make or where they live. It was huge. I, I just think hopefully all this stuff, we, we keep our foot on the pedal and we stay consistent. You know, I know some people don't care and, and that's fine. You know, that's your God given, right? But I think if you have a child or anybody that's going to be here 50 years from now, you should care. Generally, are you are you optimistic about the, the country's ability to address social injustice? Based on our past? No. Um, based on nothing political, based on the people that I'm surrounded with, surrounded by, based on the interactions that I've had with people, yes. I, I think there's always going to be a little bit of pushback and a little bit of fight um, because people don't like change. Who, when you're when you're afraid of something or you've been successful at something, you don't want change. You know, you want things to stay the way they were, but there needs to be. Um, like I just said a few minutes ago, my older brother moved to Africa, not because of any of this stuff. Um, he's just always been a traveler, but he talks to me a lot about the difference in the way he's treated and how he's never felt a certain way until he got there and how you can only experience it until it happens to you. And to me, that's like slightly resounding that there's seemingly third world countries that could get it right and we can't <laughs> with all the technology and all the education and all the beautiful people and all the wonderful things that happen in this country we're fighting still getting it right you know you know getting it right and uh i was raised in a house where you know we, we had a religious background and one of the big things was treat everybody the same treat everybody equally and that was a religious thing, not a political thing, not anything else. It was a it was a religious thing, but it was also a fundamental thing. And I didn't realize the importance of it as as a young child. But as I got older and I experienced different places, I moved to a town that there wasn't a lot of me walking around. And then I went off to a boarding school that there was hardly any of me walking around. It was very important. So so as a coach, you have you know on the Muhlenberg wrestling team. You have people who come from all sorts of different sorts of backgrounds. Is, is that something that you that that you stress on your team? Yeah, I mean, I think the advantage of being on a team is, is you know, I, I think naturally people kind of pull for each other and, mm -hmm. and, and are at least operating towards achieving the same end result. I think so. Some of it has happened um, generically. Obviously, I'm an African-American coach. Sometimes you're African-American athletes. You're going to be drawn to an African-American coach. I think also they're drawn to each other, but it also says something because in the end, they're not necessarily coming for me. They're coming for, you know, this, the student experience they're coming for, they're going to hang out with the other members of the team. So at this point in time, they're comfortable around each other. Quick story. We did a, last year we did a secret Santa and it was all random, the draws. Um, we had two kids that couldn't be any different, more different is if we, it just, they're, they're completely different. And when I tell you they're, number one, they gave each other ugly sweaters, which I thought was the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> and they wore those ugly sweaters religiously for like three days. And when I tell you they're pretty good friends right now, you would never even thought it, it was pretty neat to see. But literally in front of your eyes to see that happen and to see like the joy, like, dude, this is the coolest gift ever. <laughs> you know, and it was an ugly sweater, but it, they they would wear them before practice. They come walking in together. It was awesome. So is this something I shoot for? I shoot for giving my my number one goal is to to win wrestling matches. But I also want to give um, potential student athletes opportunities. And if you fit the mold of what I think I want, you know, 
which might not be what everybody else thinks what Muhlenberg is, but what I think I want and what I want our team to reflect, which is success and hard work. And, you know, they're young men. They're going to, they're going to mess up. They're in college. They, that's okay. That's fine. That's the joy of being 18, 19, 20, but to have a strong group of people behind you, given whatever background they have and have a common goal, you know, if you can buy into that, that that's important. And if you don't want to, that, that that's fine. You know, there's plenty of other colleges in the country, but as far as our program, we're going to win wrestling matches. We're going to graduate everybody, um, regardless of your background, but there is going to be an eclectic group of guys. And that, that goes back to the beauty of, of this country and every, you know, that these guys can come together as a common goal and to be a mule, which is the most was the one thing that always drew to me about Muhlenberg was the mascot and how significant it is. There's not many other mules walking around the country, right? So if you're Spanish, black, white, blue, green, Christian, Muslim, whatever, but you have a Muhlenberg sweatshirt on or a Muhlenberg hat, my dad literally wears his Muhlenberg stuff every day. And people, hey, Muhlenberg, you're a mule. You know, he has a shirt I gave him last year that says once a mule, always a mule. There it is right there, you know? And I think that's the cool thing about it. You know, they got a common goal and they, they got this weird little mascot, which you could make fun of or whatever else, but it's it's so significant. So we're going to keep shooting for winners, but good guys, um, an eclectic group. And if you happen to be a minority, then you are, you know, but we just really want good guys. Um, but I, I really don't care what you look like. I think that's what's important. We're talking with Jason McLean, head wrestling coach at Muhlenberg College, and uh, you kind of epitomize once a mule, always a mule, right? Mm-hmm. Had a little break in the middle, but glad to have you back. And and of course, February is Black History Month, and you know we're celebrating the contributions of Black people uh, all across the board. And we like to end all of our podcasts with some getting to know you type quotes, and you know maybe you can throw in some Black History month references here for some of these questions. So we'll start with what is your favorite quote? I've been asked this a couple of times before. My grandmother, um, who was a huge influence in my life, probably one of the biggest influences in my life, used to make me recite Bible verses all the time and drove me nuts. Um, (laughs) But she was trying to instill certain things in us. So um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which is, I guess, not really a quote. And I I said this in the centennial thing. um, It's just trusting the Lord with all that heart and Lean not into your own understanding. So, so that, that's huge for me. Um, I have it on my wall at home. It reminds me of her, and it just reminds me of certain things that she expected of me. Um, and a second one would be a poem that I read at her funeral, which is the beginning of it's just life ain't no crystal stairs, you know, and there's going to be bumps and bruises and splinters, and but you got to keep climbing, right? Maya Angelou said that, and it's just the, the coolest little poem with so much meaning. So that, that would be two things, you know, and there's plenty of I got athletic quotes that you could, I could spew out left and right. But I mean, for me personally, those are pretty significant. Right. Coaches are good at throwing out those, uh, yeah. those quotes, right? Yeah. Yeah. I got motivational a database quotes. of them. Yeah. <laughs> if you weren't a wrestling coach, what would you be doing? I think I would still be working with youth in some capacity. There's a chance I'd be in the military dream job. I'd probably be a professional fisherman. Professional fisherman. Yeah, yeah. I grew up fishing a lot with my grandpa. Love it. You know, it's kind of one-on-one. It's the same kind of thing as wrestling, right? You got to kind of outfox the fish a little bit. And <laughs> I just, I always loved it. I haven't gotten a chance to do it much lately, which you think I would have with COVID. But, and I plan on it very soon. I plan on teaching my daughters how to fish. It's relaxing. 
fun. It's kind of bonding. But if I could, that that's what I would do. I'd be one of those guys on the Discovery Channel. <laughs> or on the Deadliest Catch. Or you could be on the Deadliest Catch. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, they catch crab. I want to I want to catch fish, fish. Fish, fish. Wanna, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do watch the show though, a lot. What is the best single day on the calendar? First day of wrestling season. <laughs> it, you know, it could be, I saw like when these guys get back to campus. At first for me, it was when my guys got back to campus, but the student body overall is pretty neat to, to see them all coming back. But I'm going to go with first day of wrestling season. <laughs> of course, the, the spring semester at Muhlenberg just started on, on Monday of this week. And we had move in. They spread out over a course of four days mm-hmm. just so everybody wouldn't be coming back at once. And it was really amazing just to see because the campus was barren and empty. Yeah. Uh, and to see it for, back for, alive for so long. Just to have people on campus and, and bodies on campus and people excited to come back. That was that was pretty awesome. Yeah. If you could sit down for a meal with any famous person, living or past, who would it be? Wow, this is, um, so it wouldn't be one person. I think that's a huge, like, dude, wow. Um, any, and this is going to tell a little bit about me, um, any, not just warrior, but leader, and I'm talking about historically, like Sitting Bull, Geronimo, or one of those kind of just leaders, lead, like leaders, um, maybe a Roman leader, but if not, and like I said, it's going to be multiple any of the people who kind of broke the color lines in Negro Baseball League. My mom was somehow related to, to Willie Mays. And um, she always talked to us about, you know, black ball. And, you know, I'd heard that term way before everything started going down in this generation. I actually have a poster behind me right now that was my brother's that I have hung up and it has Satchel Page on there and Cool Papa Bell, which is, you know, a lot of people don't even know who he was. He was like, the, you know, supposed to be like one of the fastest base runners ever. Yeah, they um, said they said he could flick his light switch. Exactly. And exactly. be in bed before the light went out. So imagine being a kid going back to my mom. She's going to kill me for talking about her so much. But um, she would take us to old. There was a place in North New Jersey that would show old black and white films. And she would take us to Amos and Andy and all those kind of stuff. Like we're talking about films from the Ford, you know way before you know I was ever thought of um but last person ever would either be my great-grandmother um who was another huge person in my life who I got a chance to really get to know before she passed away or Maya Angelou it would be a big table it would, it would be a big table it would be a fun table though you'd um, have to catch a lot of fish I would I would catch all the fish that was needed I mean that would be pretty cool to have you know one of those guys Maya Angelou and you know sitting around you know that would be neat for me and then we have a special bonus question because uh, Monday Monday is Valentine's Day. So oh um, gosh, that day I don't do well with that day. We'll, we'll give you a chance. Who who do you want to give some love to? You want to know what? I've been talking about my mom a lot. So any any mom out here who's been, for example, my daughter's downstairs with her mom doing homeschooling, and it's not easy. And then you got moms that are nurses, and it's just not easy. It's it's not. You know, the kids are driving. It's it's not it's not easy at all. Um, and, and anybody in currently in this medical front line, military, even the police officers and what they're going through, especially I watched a story the other day about a minority police officer in Detroit or actually in Minnesota. I'm sorry, Minneapolis, Minnesota, where the George Floyd stuff happened and the things that he went to through because he was also the high school football coach just made me think about a lot of times people don't think about the other side of the coin. You got to think about the other side of the coin. Um, and he actually ended up leaving his job. And any of those people that have been through that, 
I'm a wrestling coach, you know, I'm living like literally living a dream. It's not really a job. Some of it is, but the wrestling part is not. So any of those people that are really, we have a few parents in the team. Brian Jameson's mom is a nurse in Philadelphia and she's told me some horror stories. So any of those people, um, I guess break a big shout out to her, but, um, and my mom as well, you know, I, I think it's important. And normally the funny thing is Valentine's day for probably the last 10 or 15 years of my life, I've been at a wrestling tournament or a wrestling match. So, you know, and it wasn't funny. It was never on purpose. You know, I had a girlfriend years ago who swore it was on purpose. Like, I don't make, I don't make the schedule, but um, I, I kind of did, but it's definitely for them. I, I think it would be, you know, I think especially this year with all the loss, you know, guys, we kind of play tough and everything else, but I think there's a lot of moms at home doing a lot of work here. That would be where I would be going for that. Lots of love for the moms. You can't, you yeah. can't go wrong with that. Yeah, definitely. All right. Jason McLean, head wrestling coach at Muhlenberg College. Thank you so much for joining us on the Muhlenberg Mules podcast. We'll see what the next few weeks and months bring. And, and hopefully maybe we'll get some uh, Mule wrestling matches before the year is out. So again, Jason, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. I appreciate it. The Muhlenberg Mules podcast is a production of the Muhlenberg Office of Athletic Communications with Joe Widener, Zoe Keim, and Marty the Mule. If you have any questions or comments, please send us an email at mulespodcast at muhlenberg.edu or call our pod line at 484-664-4001 and leave a message. We will answer questions in future episodes. The Muhlenberg Mules podcast is available on Apple, and Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast, please rate and review us and recommend us to your friends. For the latest in Muhlenberg College Athletics, please follow us on social media at M-U-H-L underscore S-P-O-R-T-S. Until next week, Go Mules! Go Mules.